Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 52 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. Follow myself on Twitter at JustinHughes365, though I'll warn you, I do most of my tweeting from the podcast Twitter. And my co-host, Andrew, you can uh, follow him on Twitter at at AMCQ82. Join our Facebook group, Baseball365. It's growing daily right now. We're getting a lot of new members as fantasy football is over and fans are switching over to baseball. Thanks for all everybody for checking us out. If you're a new listener or have been listening since the beginning, either way, leave us an iTunes review. If you want to support the show, we'd love to get your feedback and support. And just hear what you guys think, like, don't like, or anything else. Even if it's just and not for any of that, just get to support the show. We'd appreciate your feedback. All right. Now let me introduce my co-host, Andrew. Andrew McQuiston, I should say. How's it going, buddy? It's going good. Ready to do these first basemen here. Yes. And I'm glad you just said. A little more exciting than last week. Yeah. I, uh. I think I heard somebody, I think it was our good buddy Walter McMichael, say something like, is there anything that gets anybody less excited than to download a pod or open up a pod, see there's a new podcast and see its catcher ranks? (laughs) (laughs) He even said, I'm not aiming at anybody in particular, but he's right. Everybody dropped catcher ranks last year, last week. Oh, I know. I saw it all over the place. So it's glad it's out of the way. We are doing this different going forward. And I mean going forward after this episode. We, I said we were going to move around the diamond, catcher first base. Screw it. From Next week, we're doing something different. I think I don't know if we're going to do starting pitcher, relief pitcher, outfield, or getting out of the infield and doing outfield or pitchers. And then we'll circle back to the infield just so we can Sounds at least good. not be following in line with everybody else. Maybe yeah. as, everybody, as everybody else is talking first base, second base right now. We can get we can have something different, and then by the time we get back to first base, second base, maybe some stuff has happened, and we can provide a fresh take compared to other people. Or at least that's the way I told myself it. Yeah, it works for me. Okay, well, um, we are talking first base, but I don't think we can start a podcast without talking about this news that's come out in the last couple of days that. It's been a cloud over the whole offseason with the Houston Astros and this, what are we calling it, um, sign-stealing gate? But yesterday, on Monday, I should say, afternoon, uh, MLB Rob Manfred came down hard and suspended A.J. Hinch, the manager, and Jim Crane, the the GM, both for a year. And then right after that, I said Crane, that's not right. Hench, Jim Crane, that's the GM, right? Or is that the owner? Uh, Luno, Jeff Luno is the owner. Luno. Jeff Luno is the GM. Is the GM. Yes, I said that wrong the first time. Uh, but either way, Crane came in and just fired them both right on the afterwards. And they're gone. And then today, tonight, here just in the last couple hours before recording, Alex Cora, who was with the Astros in 2017 when they won that World Series and then went to go manage the Boston Red Sox the next season when they won the World Series, and they're accused of the same thing. And Alex Cora has, depending on he's been fired or they mutually parted ways tonight, whichever way you want to look at it, but 
A lot of dominoes have fallen in the last 24 hours, for, or 36 hours, I should say. Andrew, what's your reaction to all this? I don't even know. They they definitely dropped the hammer. I mean, all this losing draft picks, and obviously their manager's gone. Good manager. GM's gone, so it's it's pretty wild. I I kind I mean, you kind of had to expect it the way that yep. they were talking. It was like one of those things that writing was on the wall, and you just kind of knew. Kind of is odd to me that they waited till that to just let them go. Why, why wouldn't they just do it beforehand? But either way, I mean, I guess what I'm mostly curious about, I I don't care a ton about the the manager and the GM. I just don't feel like it affects our game or any of that. But I'm more thinking along the lines of, is this going to affect Houston hitters going forward? And, you know, how that's going to, play into it i don't know if it will at all for the record i just kind of processing it all and it's kind of a lot to process yeah when did they stop or have they stopped yet right. Did this go all the way through the end of this last season and if it if it was yeah, like like just for example just one quick example is jordan alvarez really as good as he was last year i mean i don't know is, is he... alex breckman yeah we don't know like and that's the scary part I have Jordan in a dynasty league and you know, you like to think that it's not a huge deal, but it, it very well may be. I mean, it's kind of a hard thing to gauge. I feel like, and another thing that I feel like will happen when we get into the season and this won't happen. I don't think till we get there, but I think any Houston hitter that, uh, goes backwards a little bit or declines a little mm-hmm. bit, everyone is just going to blame this. No matter oh, yeah. what. Like, if they were naturally to do that, you know, if that was going to happen anyways, this will be what people point at as to why. And I don't know if that's right either. It's just, like I said, it's a, it's a lot to process. I'm not even really sure what to make of it right now. It may be right and it may be wrong. It's just, we don't know. And the other thing that, I, we've talked a lot about off air is just because the Astros and the Red Sox are the two teams that got caught here. They're also the two teams that won the last two world series. And yeah. are you trying to tell, are you going to tell me that these two teams are the only teams that cheated and that's why they won the world series? Yeah, no, I think you're pretty naive to think that, but of course we're speculating until anything else comes out. It's just, we, and we may never know. But right. And if this was rampantly going on the last two seasons, maybe that's why more home runs that might be aiding in part of the home run spike the last two years. We don't know. I mean, yeah, I believe that after this happened, I think teams are going to be cracking down on it more, especially I mean, GMs and coaches don't want to lose their jobs over this. I mean, you want to win at all costs, but I just I think. I think there are people that think that the MLB didn't go down, come down hard enough on them. I think they did personally. I think the message was given and I don't know. I don't think we're going to be seeing, I mean, teams will always be looking for edges, but I don't, I think this was a pretty harsh penalty that resulted in a very good coach and a very good GM who, I mean, when Luna took this team over eight years ago, they were the worst. Uh, I don't know if there was a worse franchise 
situation in baseball at that time. Maybe I know the Phillies were in rough shape going about them with a bunch of old older guys, but he, I mean, they built a monster franchise in the last eight years. And I don't know. Uh, I guess I should ask you, that was a question I was thinking about asking you. What, where would you set like the over under line? If you're predicting wins for the Astros next year, this next season. What did they win last year? Do you know offhand? I don't. I know it was over 100. I'll see if I can pull it up here while you're thinking about it. Uh, I mean, I think that they'll drop off some, but I probably would have said that anyways. Yeah, because Garrett Cole is gone. Yeah, yeah. I would probably put it like around 94 or so. That's a drop. They. 107 last year. 107. Yeah, 94, 95, somewhere in there. I think that they're still going to be really good. I think they're still probably going to win the division. Well, you know, you just said 94, 95. If they had won that this last year, they had to finish second because the A's won 97. Yeah. So you're yeah. still picking them to win the division. Eh, we're not there yet, but I uh, think yeah. so. Probably, I've, yeah. Yeah, we got two months for the prediction show. But. Yeah, I, I think I agree between the drop. And I do think losing their manager and GM here, it is going to affect them. I, I'm i not saying it's going to be a huge deal difference maker, but I do think that there will be some of that effect in there. I mean, I don't like to give much credit to managers, but and I they've just been run so well. I I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, Maybe, but, man, they got to do a coach, head coach search here in January. When was the last losing time the, that happened? Losing the picks is huge, I think. Yeah. I that think that's hurts. and I think that's why they were fired. If if they had been suspended for like 30, 60 games with maybe one one pick it's two, like it's two picks, right? Yeah, first and the second next, for this next this next two drafts. Yeah, I think and I even and I even heard if they sign a free agent and lose the pick, it just goes to the next pick. They still get – it's the next two that they – Yeah. It was wow. something like – you know, it was something like that where, like, if they do that where they lose their pick, it's, it just affects the following year. It'll carry on until they have two. So Here's That's another crazy. question. Yeah, true or, true or false, do the Astros win a World Series in the next five years? <laughs> Did that... um, I'll say yeah. You think they do? I would I lean mean, no. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, we're guessing here, and it's random yeah, in October. But I'm just yeah. asking some fun questions that really don't mean anything. Yeah, I really have no idea. I I think I this. Still, I still think the team is ridiculously talented you know i mean how much it's gonna affect them i don't know we'll just have to wait and see but yes no i mean that's that's a tough call it's hard to say i mean winning a world series is tough and yep yeah I really and they've got and they have free agency a couple guys coming up in the next few years correa springer i i think this could i might have said no even before but now I'm definitely going to say no. I just, with the loss of picks and loss of their great GM, I, I'm i going to lean no. But we'll see. They get to play the game still. 
They're not official. They're not eliminated from the playoff contention or anything. Okay. Um, well, actually, no, I got to bring up Cora. He's gone from the Red Sox even before they even announced a suspension for him. And Boston, you know, that that's a team that already seems to be, you know, have a lot of negative energy around it, them. But do you think that he did you do you did you think that he's got his suspension is going to be worse than these two guys? Or do you are you leaning that it will be about the same? I would think it'd be pretty similar. I haven't, I haven't even like thought about that until right now. But yeah, I would think it would be similar. I don't know what. Like, I think it should be worse because he took part in this for two different organizations, and you'd think that he's the one that brought that over to Boston as compared to Houston. You don't know really. I don't know if you know exactly who started it, but he he went to Boston and then it happened. I don't know. I I wonder if he could get it get it worse and it sucks because he seems like a real good guy hearing interviews with him i i really like him but yeah it's an unfortunate situation do you i keep asking questions i'm just sitting here thinking of him do you think he or aj hinch manages again um probably i think so too at some point, yeah. Yeah, it may take a few years for that to kind of wear off a little bit. But, yeah, I think I would – if I had to bet on one, I'd say, yeah, probably do. I agree. Okay, we'll move on now about over after that depressing conversation. And um, Baseball 365, I definitely want to announce that we've got some draft and hold leagues going on. Jory Devig who is actually the guy that made our logo for Baseball 365. This is the second year in a row that he has set up some draft and hold leagues for us. And Andrew, you and I got in the same one, but um, basically if you're looking to get in a draft and hold league, which if you listen to our podcast with Chris Winder a couple weeks ago, that's one of those leagues where you do 50 round draft, have a 50 round draft. And as you're basically done after you finish drafting, yeah, that's your team. No trading, no pickups, nothing. And, but it's a really fun format and opportunity to get in these leagues. The cost to get in a league is $30. He's already filled up eight leagues. And number nine is filling up right now on Baseball 365. First place winners in these leagues get $250 plus a $50 Fantrax credit that Tim Wagner with Fantrax so kindly is working with Jory and giving us uh, second place winners are getting $150 and third place is getting $50 and new for this year, they're going to offer a bonus bounty of $50 fan tracks credit to any winner who has purchased one of Jory's custom team logos. So there's some really cool stuff going on here. And also they're keeping tabs on all of these leagues and whoever has the highest overall score of these 10 leagues are is also going to get an extra $200 fan tracks credit last year. That champion was Gary Sonnenfeld and we're going to have an opportunity to have a new champion this year. All these drafts are going to happen on Monday, February 24th. They're going to be slow drafts with a two hour clock when it freezes overnight. But if you think you can be able to get away from your work or whatever it is that you do during your day to 
at least be able to draft every get on and look every couple hours when you're on the clock should get in one of these leagues they're a lot of fun and one entry per contest but if, join the facebook page i've got it pinned as an announcement right now if you haven't joined a league it'd be a great opportunity to play in one and andrew you, uh, you and i are going to go head to head i was going to say you didn't tell them the real news what's that just Justin and I are in League Two, and I have the eighth pick, and Justin has the ninth pick. So we'll be sniping each other the whole entire draft. <laughs> yep. I'm I looked just- at that. I, I was like, right after they were talking about the draft order, I was like, I got to go on and see where I, what I got, you know? Mm-hmm. So I go on, and I, I load up the page. I actually wasn't certain if it was locked in yet. I didn't know if he had randomized it. But I just laughed when I saw that me and you were right next to each other. I was like, oh, that'll be fun. Yep. Um, by the way, anything you say, I'm going to be writing down this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, not... I'm, sure we'll, I'm sure we'll get each other a few times in that draft. It'll be fun. Yep, probably will. Okay. Um, I think we'll get into first base ranks now. Uh, we'll take a quick break, but and we'll get into it after that. Sounds good. Uh, first base, we're going to cover as many first base as possible. We might fit this all into one episode. I have a feeling going off of our history last year, this may be split into two. That's something we're going to do a little different is if it's a long enough episode, I might cut it in half as I'm not even going to say here how many we're going to do. I'm just going to put it in the show notes at the beginning of the show. So if you're wondering, as you're listening, you actually know before I do right now, how many we're going to do, I'm just going to keep an eye on the clock and cut the show in half whenever it's time. But I did mention on last podcast that I had all the show notes from the position ranks from last year and would be able to share them on this year's shows. And when I went to pull the first base ranks from last year, I learned that I was not quite a hundred percent correct. While I did have the ranks and show notes from every other position ranks episode, I don't have the first base ranks. I don't know why I looked through my email, looked through my notes and, I don't see them anywhere, so we don't have a recap from last year or this go-around. So we'll just get into the ADP, but a question I didn't put in the notes, Andrew, I'll ask you is, what are your overall thoughts on first base this year in terms of the position? Do you consider it a strong week? How do you feel about it? I think it's fairly strong at the top, but if you wait too long... Uh, you may be in a little bit of trouble in like a 15 team league. There's going to be, I feel like there's going to be eight to 10 guys that are pretty strong at, or eight to 10 teams in your league that are pretty strong at first base. And the other handful are going to be quite a bit weaker. So some initiative there to take a first baseman early. Uh, but that said, I mean, you, you don't have to do it. I mean, it's just one, you know, one way of thinking this year. I mean, I think these top first basemen, there's an argument to be made to kind of stick your neck out and make sure you get one. Yep. I agree. I think this is a, you know, there are positions that you can wait on 
I don't feel like first base is one. I'm not saying you got to get one in the first two rounds, but I think in those first 100 to 150 picks, you've got to, I, I'm going to make sure I have a first baseman if, if at all possible. I'm not going to go crazy on one if, if everybody else is thinking the same and they're going way earlier than I feel comfortable. It's okay. I'll let them go. But I want a first baseman in the top 100 to 150 picks personally because well, there is a drop-off. What's funny is, is I mean, and obviously we're going to go through them, but three of the <clears> top <throat> 11 that are listed, you probably aren't starting at first base. I mean, you or you, you maybe aren't, I should say, because they qualify at other positions. Mm-hmm. So that makes it even shallower if you aren't if you aren't using them there. Now, granted, maybe you will because of the depth of the position, but um, just something I noticed scrolling down the list. Yeah, that's very true. And that's, I'm glad you brought that up. This is the first position besides catcher we've done where most of the time we're going to talk about a player at the main position they played last year, or are going to play this year for these multi-position eligible guys, except for outfield. There are so many outfielders. If there's like a first base outfield, We'll probably put him in a first base or second base outfield. We're going to put him on second base just because there's so many outfielders. But some of these guys, like we're going to get to DJ LeMahieu on this episode. We're not going to talk about him here. We'll probably talk about him on the second base podcast uh, or maybe even third base. But that's I'm glad you brought that up before we get started. And number one. Cody Bellinger is atop the first base rankings this year at five at pick number five. After disappointing the previous year in 2018, he exploded last year. 305 batting average, 47 home runs, 15 steals, 121 runs, and 115 RBI. He was legitimately a five-category stud. And we discussed him in the early ADP talk, and I really don't want to repeat that conversation. So this time around, I just thought I'd make some over-unders for you for Bellinger's line for 2020. I've got two of them here for you, Andrew. Over under 38 home runs. Over. Okay, I'm with you. If you had said under, which we did do a 365 bet on this last year at at 40 after about his explosion in early April. And I was going to try to take you on that one. And I'm with you on that. I mean, the power, he's got immense power. And he seems to have that ability. I mean, he showed it last year to hit 40-plus, and I think he can do that pretty consistently for a little while. That uppercut swing is just beautiful. Yeah, definitely. Okay, number two, 280 batting average. His strikeout percentage dropped considerably last year. Do you think he can keep that batting average as a 280-plus? I'll say over, but... I wouldn't be surprised if it was under. Yeah. Well, I'm in a, again in agreement, and that's how I would have, I would have said I don't feel great about it, but I would take the over. I think so. Maybe if, last year, three three oh five, three oh five. Yeah, with like a fifteen yeah, percent strikeout rate. I would take the under on that. Um, yeah, strikeout rate dropped from twenty three point nine percent to sixteen point three percent, and his walk rate went up. From ten point nine percent to fourteen point four percent. So yeah, I mean everything he did was pretty legit. 
Um, we are one year removed from a 242 expected batting average. And I just, the thing with Bellinger with me, I wouldn't take him quite this high. I would probably have him closer to the middle of the first round. But it's more just because I think that the batting average could be lower. Like, I, I think that there's a chance he hits like 270. And I think that the steals aren't a lock. I, I would not be surprised. I mean, he's fast. He has good sp- sprint speed, sc- you know, stuff like that. But, um, I mean, this guy's their franchise player. They're such a good team. I just, I feel like that he could stop running whenever mm-hmm. and without without anyone seeing it coming. So, if he was all of a sudden goes from 15 steals to like eight to 10, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and the homers, I mean, I just, I don't expect 47 again either. So I guess it's just for me, I, I think it's maybe a slight drop off across the board, but I mean, that's probably inevitable considering he was the MVP and had a crazy, crazy season last year. So yeah, a little bit lower for me. I do think that the argument for taking him at five is the first base outfield eligibility. I mean, obviously that's that's big. He is a stud, so I have no no issue with anybody taking him four, five, six, wherever you want him. I just probably won't take him there. I don't have anything to add because I completely agree with everything you just said. That's pretty much exactly how I feel. I don't think I'll have him on any of my teams this year, but it's not like I, I hate his value. I just there are some other guys that I love that I'd just rather have more than him as compared to hating him up there. So I'll just move on to number two then. And that is Freddie Freeman, whose average draft positions at 16. He's a great hitter, safe batting average, but one of the safest in baseball powers kind of fluctuated over the years, but he's got an incredible lineup around him with Acuna and Albies not going to have Josh Donaldson because he just signed with the twins tonight, but is there a circumstance where you take Freeman in the top 15 of a draft this year? Possibly. Yeah. I think, I think he's right in the right spot, right around the wheel off the top of my head. I, I don't have like my top 15 overall, I guess totally figured out, but yeah, he would be right around that spot. I always think when he goes in the, 14 to 17 18 range it's like yeah that's a good pick you know if he went too much higher i might be like yeah it's a little but yeah right in there i think he's fine here yeah i probably wouldn't take him top 15 but i do believe he's right there at the 15 16 or 16 17 range i'm it's not like it's far off um he's just going to provide and Every category, he should be a stud outside of stolen bases. That's really the big difference between him and Bellinger, and I guess power too, but, I mean, he still hit 38 home runs this last year. And yeah. speaking of which, that's my other oh, that's my over-under for Freeman. Over-under 32 home runs. And might I add, he hit 38 last year, and I think he had 23 the year before. It's been a fluctuating power. He's He's gone a lot of different directions a few years before that i think he even had a 19 home run season i'm gonna say over but barely like right in there 
thirty two to thirty four. Yeah. I'm I'm I think I would go under, but I don't feel great about it. It's one of those that I could I mean, he hit thirty eight and we got a juice ball, so maybe I should be having him higher. And the other thing that to take into account, and I didn't even think about this till now. I'm going to try pulling up his splits, but he had an elbow injury in that second half, and it really did hurt his production. And they were saying that in the playoffs against the Cardinals that he just didn't seem right. And at 274 in the second half with 15 home runs, I mean, the power was still there. Batting average isn't down that much. But they were definitely saying that that was bothering him. I think he had bone spurs or something going on in there. Maybe I should be taking the over. He is so consistent, man. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at his last three years, and his exit velocities are all 80. They're all the same. Sorry, it just froze on me. So I was going to say what it was, but it, my computer froze. But same exit velocities, um, two of the three years, launch angle the exact same. Two of the three years, walk percentage the exact same. And 18% K rate all three years. Incredible. It's like it's just the same every year. I mean, for the most part, you know, there's little. I mean, the, the homers ticked up last year. A lot of that to do with the ball, but yeah, I mean, he's just the same guy year in and year out, and you can kind of he's going to do what he does. I mean, the the lineups on the upswing, so that definitely doesn't hurt counting numbers and stuff like that. But you know, definite, definite stud. Of the players that are like 30, if you're thinking dynasty value, he he's probably the guy that's in his 30s that I would feel the best about. Yeah, he's only right at 30. But I just feel really good that he's going to be a very good player into his mid-30s. And maybe even late, like upper 30s, like 36, 37. He's just such a good hitter and a great lineup that's going to have Acuna and Albies around him until he's into his mid to late thirties. He's already, I mean, he's a first baseman without much speed. So, I mean, he's stolen six, 10 and eight bases the last three seasons, but maybe that, oh, that'll dip down, but it's not going to be much of a difference to where I just, I think this is a guy that I would still feel great about owning in dynasty for the next five years as compared to like, you know, you, there are guys that right now have a lot of speed in their mid twenties that maybe that'll start dipping off before he starts dipping off. I could see him outlasting a lot of these sexy young names that are on the rise right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely nice, the the lineup that's around him. Like you said, it's all young guys that kind of on the upswing. So definitely, uh, definitely good for him. Well, I'm going to play a him or him game with the next guy we're about to talk about. If we're talking dynasty value, who would you rather have in a dynasty? Freddie Freeman or Pete Alonzo? Who are you taking first? Alonzo's 26, I think. Man, they're like probably back to back. I don't even know. Who would you I take? take? I'd take Freeman. Batting average or on yeah. base, I'm taking Freeman. Just, you know, Alonzo had that great year, and we'll talk about him in a second, but I just. Freeman's been doing it for a while and I'm not sure that Alonzo is going to be one of those guys that his hit tool holds up really late to where I could see them both losing their value about the same time. And if that's the case, I'll just go Freddie Freeman. 
who I know, who I just trust now a little more. Yeah, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but Pete Alonso just hit 53 home runs. Uh-huh. Yes, he did. He yeah. was incredible. Freddie Freeman has never even sniffed that. So I'm not disagreeing. Nope. Again, I, I I definitely, like you may, I may even take Freeman, but uh, yeah. there's definitely things that Alonzo can do that Freeman can't. So. That is true. But I'll also say there's things Freeman can do that Alonzo can't because yeah, I don't think Fre- Alon- Freeman, Alonzo can hit 300 yeah. unless something changes. No, yeah, totally. So we'll move into Alonzo here. He's 29th overall, so he's at the 2-3 wheel in a 15-team draft. And he's kind of in a tier all by himself here after that great rookie season. My my best call of last year, called predicting rookie of the year for him. 260 batting average and a new record-setting 53 home runs for a rookie. And we've talked about being wary of him at the 2-3 wheel when there are so many good op- or there are options later on that we think we'd rather have when we're talking value-wise. But let's say others have the same mindset in a draft. How far do you think you'd have to drop before you'd consider drafting a guy like Alonzo in a redraft league? I'd actually, I actually think he's, I would have him right around here. I wouldn't. You would have him around 29? Close. Yeah. I though It's more for me about, um, and there's a guy coming up that we've mentioned is kind of similar. I would just, I would have him higher more so than Alonzo lower. Because mm-hmm. I just think you have to, I mean, if you want these stud first basemen, you have to take them. I mean, <sighs> Alonzo just has so much power. It's just, he actually, in the home run derby draft we just finished, he went number one overall. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Would you have taken him number one if you had I that was pick? Think- I was thinking about that. I actually asked uh, Chris Winder if he what he would have done, and we weren't sure. I I think he said he wouldn't have taken Alonzo. I I wasn't sure. There was like a few, but um, yeah, it's just top of the scale power. I mean, he does did have a twenty six percent K rate, ten uh, percent walk rate, which is fine. Really and, struggles with off speed pitches away. I I think that's the one book that I've heard's out on him to where. I'm going to be curious to see how the league adjusts to him in year two. Yeah, no, I'm definitely curious of that. He, he just watching this guy last year, I remember commenting every time he made contact, I just felt like he crushed it. Mm-hmm. I was just, you know, you sit there and you're just watching. It's like Pete Alonso hit the ball, crush the ball every time. Like, it's just crazy. And, His power and is crazy. To center field. That's what I love about him a right-handed power hitter who's hitting a lot of balls to left center and right center field and straight away. I just love hitters that do that because, you know, you if you can do that with a fastball, then you might be able to stay ahead on an off-speed pitch if they gets too much of the plate and jack that thing out to left. I I love that type of hitter that can hit the ball out to straightaway center, and he's definitely got the muscles to do it. Yeah, he'll probably – you know, he'll probably never be like a big batting average guy or anything, but he definitely hits the ball hard when he hits it. So it's hard to argue with, especially with like the rest of the kind of the state of first base. Uh, I'd maybe take him a little lower than 29, but not not probably a lot. 
over under 45 home runs this year. That's about right. Taking right on it, huh? Yeah, pretty much. I think it's about right. I'll take the slide under, but yeah. I, yeah, I think he could definitely. I mean, it's hard to over 45, but I mean, he could do it. Yeah. You know, obviously. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty good number. I think Both Steamer's 40, 44 on Steamer, so it's pretty, it's right there. That's funny. Some uh, Most of these, I made the over under before I looked at the Steamer, and then I'd kind of chuckle as I realized I was pretty much right right there. Yeah, you were at one their off number. on Freeman. Yeah, you were mm-hmm. one off on Freeman too, so yeah, it was good. <laughs> okay, uh, the next four first basemen, I'm going to list them off beca- uh, first, and then we'll talk about them because they are only they are all within five or six picks of each other. The fourth first baseman off the board is Anthony Rizzo at 62 overall, so we're talking all of these are in the early to mid uh, fifth round here in a 15-team draft. Number five is DJ LeMahieu. Like I said, we'll talk about him later, but he's 65th overall. Paul Goldschmidt with the Cardinals. He's down to 66 overall, and Matt Olson at 67. Um, Rizzo for me, I think, is at the top of this tier, or actually, he is at the top of this tier. Is he your number one first baseman of this group? Uh, I'm going to leave off LeMahieu if you don't yeah, mind, just because we'll get, yeah, we'll get to him with, I, I just can't put him with the first baseman really. So just speaking with, um, Rizzo, Goldschmidt and Olsen, honestly, this is kind of the group that I want to draft in redraft, but I'm good with just taking the third one, whichever one it is. I like all three. I like all three. Uh, with Rizzo, Statcast doesn't love him. I mean, his hard hit percentage is below league average last year. So there's a few things when you look at some of the batted ball profile. It's a little wonky to where it's like, yeah, maybe maybe he's dropping off, but he's still consistent. High floor had an expected batting average of 300, so that's good. Is that Old a new trend? Before we go into that, is that a new trend for him with the hard hit rate? Because that's the first I heard of that. Uh, I'm not sure what it was the year before. I want to say it was a little similar, I want to say, but I don't know that for sure. I don't have it in front of me. Um, With Goldschmidt, I feel like Goldschmidt is pretty much the same guy that he's always been. He just doesn't run. Mm -hmm. And, but... You know, to drop off in steals and to go from a first round pick to a mid fifth round pick, I, I'd much rather take him now than I would have previously. I've never I've never really been on the Goldschmidt train, even back when he was elite. I just I would never get him and wasn't really on it, but I feel like I'm more on it now. And I, I just think you're gonna get good batting average, good counting stats, good power. He's just across the board fine. And this this spot is enticing to me. I mean, especially like we've said with the with the position and stuff. And then with Olsen, it's just crazy power compared to the other two. I think his power ceiling is higher, but he will prob you'll pr- basically 
you're trading off probably five to 10 home runs for like 25 to 30 points in batting average. Cause he's not going to probably hit for the mm-hmm. average those guys do, but you just want whoever. Uh, yeah. He could lead the league in homers though. Olsen. I've kind of said that in the past and I feel it, but um, yeah, I don't really care out of this group. I, I would love to be sitting in like the middle of the fifth to the late part of the fifth and have one of these guys fall into my lap. If I didn't have a first baseman, that would be beautiful. I would love that. Yeah. And I don't care. And I don't care which one really. I mean, if I had to rank them, I would probably go Olsen, Rizzo, Goldschmidt. But I don't, it's like tomato. Splitting tomato. hairs. I, I, yeah, it's such splitting hairs. I would maybe even take Rizzo first. It's close. They're they're all so close. It doesn't, and their ADPs reflect that. So, uh, Goldschmidt. Just one real quick. Just how we were saying how um, with Alonzo, and it wasn't so much that I thought Alonzo should be lower, but just Olson should be higher, because I think that Olson can at least approach what Alonzo does. I mean, he didn't last year, but like, if you just think about like your projection for Pete Alonzo and Matt Olson, like what they will do in batting average and power, because neither one of them is giving you speed. How far apart are they truly? I mean, I would project Alonzo for more and I would take Alonzo before Olson, but how far apart are they really? I mean, it it's not a ton to me. No. You can definitely make that argument, and I, I definitely see it. And that's why I'm not taking Alonzo at 29. I just yeah. – I'd rather no, get from fair. this tier for that reason. Yeah. It's I, I something – I would much rather take Olsen at 67 than Alonzo at 29. It's like not even close to me. It's something that you said a year ago, and I'm really starting to try to apply this to my drafts and redraft leagues. Don't draft a player that you feel like you can get pretty close to the same production later. Like, yeah, try, you want you want steadiness. That's fair, but the only thing is, is if you want a good first baseman, let's say you're picking like 33 or 34, like early in the third round. Uh-huh. And Alonzo's there. I mean, if you're passing on him, then you're committing to that next group, unless you want to wait even longer. Yep. And so I'll do that. Yeah, that's fine as long as you get one. But as you know, there's times in drafts where you do that and then you don't get the next group either. Yeah. So, you know, that's the hard part. I mean, it's all it's all fine and dandy if you get them exactly where you want them. But. Just doesn't always work out like that, so just have to be careful. Given all three of those guys have an ADP right around the same, I would think one of them will be there. And worst case, if they're not, I'll go from the next tier, even if I've got to reach a little bit to get them. I think I'd be willing to do it just because the next two guys on this list, I feel belong pretty close with these guys, and and I'd be okay taking one of them. So for that reason, I'd be okay with it, but. Uh, moving back to Goldschmidt, you know, he hit at least 286 in every season of his career going into last year. And then last year, his batting average fell to 260. 
And I did a little dig and the rest of its surface stats look okay though. And he earned $23 on fan graphs last year. If I was to put an over under at that $23 earned, do you think, in other words, do you think he's more valuable this year than last? Pretty similar, I think. Um, 34 homers is what he hit, right? Yeah, Something like that. 60. I could see him hitting for a little bit better average, maybe, but um, his season last year was good. I mean, it's just. Mm-hmm. The steals have gone from 32 to 18 to 7 to 3. And that's what drove his value. I remember saying for a few years in there, it was probably like between 15 and 17, 18, somewhere in there. Every year I was just always like, man, when Goldschmidt's steals fall off, he's basically Jose Abreu. I kept Mm -hmm. saying it and kept saying it. And I, I was wrong like a couple of times on that. You know, he still was running. But I knew that it wouldn't last forever with a guy like that. It just isn't, you know. And now he's dropped off to where I feel like, like I said, the value is even better. Um, as far as the, the Fangraph dollars, I'll say over. Yeah, I, I, I'll say over. But close. I think he has a similar season to last year. Yeah, I just but think he's the batting average will be higher. Yeah, yeah, he's going at a way cheaper price. Last year, he went. I want to say, I mean, he went. Him and Freddie were the top two. I know that. I can in tell draft. you, I took him in a draft and hold. He was my first bat and only bat I took in the first four rounds of that draft, and yeah. I took him in the top of the second round, like seventeen overall. Yep. That's where so, his ADP was. I remembered when you were saying at the top, when you were saying how you didn't have last year's, I remembered Freddie and Goldschmidt were right around like 14 and 17 or 15 and se- they, their ADPs were, they were like around that wheel area. I want to cry again, thinking about that draft, taking Chris Sale, then Paul Goldschmidt, then Luis Severino, then Edwin Diaz, first four picks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that one's that one's gonna hurt for a while. Um, mo- moving on before I start crying on the show. Uh, over under with that two eighty six, which was his worst season in batting average up till last year. Over under two eighty six batting average. Uh, under. I agree. I'd probably say two eighty would be my projection if I was guessing. Yeah, somewhere in the 270s maybe for me, but that's fine. I mean, that's with what he's going to provide, that's fine. Yep. And I've got an over-under with Matt Olson too. He hit 36 home runs despite breaking that handmate bone in the opening series last overseas last week, last year, and he missed the first month. Over-under 40 home runs for Matt Olson. Over. I'm with you. Okay. So I think I – honestly think Matt Olson could hit 50. Yeah. Like it won't. I, the power ceiling on that guy is, I just think it's through the roof. In Oakland. Not, nothing, not only nothing that. surprised me. Yeah. We're saying all that despite him playing his home games in Oakland. Yeah. So good point. Good point about the ham eight too. It was like last year. I remember in one of my drafts, it was right when was it? It was 
He got hurt. Yeah, he got hurt in that first game, right? In the opening yeah. series. Yes. Yeah, that so that was about I want to say a week before the actual opening day. Yes, that's correct. I had a draft the day before like the actual opening day. It was like one or two days. So it was after he got hurt. And it was my online championship league. It was a tw- it's 12 team redraft, 30 rounds. And I took Matt Olson in round 28. Oh. No, no DL. So I had to hold him through that. And a lot of times in that format, because it's 12 team, there's a lot less holding guys that are hurt because it's just hard to do with no, you know, no DL spots and so many good players like the out guy, there. Right. The guy basically has to be worth holding. You know, somebody that you feel is that good. So I took him right at the end, and I wasn't even sure if I would be able to hold him. And I held him. And man, was it worth it. I mean, it was awesome. 36 home runs in like, I think it was 130 yeah. games when I was looking. It's impre- yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. So what we're saying, and we're, I'm in agreement with what Andrew said. If you can get one of the guys in this tier, just take whoever falls. Don't don't be the one trying to aggressively get one of them if they're all still sitting out there. If you think one can make it back to you, I especially say that because I'd gladly take any of those three plus the next two that we're about to go into, and that is Max Muncy with the Dodgers. He's at seventy six overall, so we're going about ten picks later, and Jose Abreu's at seventy eight. And Josh Bell is at number 90 as we're closing out the top 10 here. So in a non-draft and hold league, how would you feel about these three in terms of ranking them? Why do you say non-draft and hold league? Uh, Max Muncy. Specifically, I say that because Max Muncy in a draft and hold league holds more value because he's first base, second base, and third base. I knew that answer. I just wanted you to explain it to everybody. <laughs> I didn't even think about that because I wrote these notes a few days ago. No, and asked me, I'm I, like, why did I? Oh, yeah, Monty. That's why. Yeah, I saw the question. I knew. I just wanted you to explain it. Yeah. Um, I would take, uh, I think I would take a Abreu over Muncie, but I think they're both good. Like, they're both fine here. Yeah, agreed. And Bell would be your three of the group? Yeah, Bell would be my yeah. three. Well, we'll start off talking Muncie here. He backed uh, backed up a breakout season in 2018 with another year last year that was at least as good, if not slightly better. I wasn't as sure about him last year after one great season, but after two of them, I think I'm bought in this year, and he really has good value if you're talking draft and hold because of the three-position eligibility. Yeah, Muncie... Uh... Definitely warmed up to him. He's he's just a really good player. A lot of walks, so he's even better in OBP leagues. Mm-hmm. Batting average may not be the brightest spot for him, but back-to-back years with 35 bombs, great lineup. Gets on base a lot, so he's going to hit at the top. Over 100 runs last year. I mean, Dodgers are loaded, but as much as he gets on base, he's not going to get like phased out of playing time or anything. I always think about that stuff with really good teams but i don't really think about it with muncie probably will hit in like the two two three hole all year and put up similar numbers so definitely value with three positions um depending on the format but yeah i don't see any reason why he can't keep doing what he's doing yeah agreed 
And I took him in the draft and hold league, and I'm very happy to have gotten him in that one just because of the first base, second base, third base. I did not get many guys with multi-position eligibility, so I think he'll be real handy for me as the year goes on. Just please stay healthy, Max. <laughs> um, Jose Abreu, he had a nice rebound season this last year, staying healthy and having a career high with 123 RBI and 33 home runs, which that one matched a career high. And now he has a better lineup around him. I've said it before. This is a guy I've really liked the last few years, but I love his value here as a round five, six player. I mean, I think of all the first basemen listed, he'd be the one I would want the most just because you can get him about a round after these other guys. And I... I think he belongs right there with an, a Rizzo, a Goldschmidt, and an Olsen, personally. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't really disagree too much. I mean, he's only like 11 picks behind Olsen anyways. Mm-hmm. Hits the ball hard. Uh, lineup's improving, so that's good. 123 ribbies. Man, that's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he's, he's consistent. High floor with the batting average. Doesn't walk much, but nitpicking. I mean, like I said, his hard hit, uh, hard hit percentages and stuff like that are all good. So I don't see why he can't keep it up. Kind of like Muncy, I feel like they're both just gonna continue to do what they do. Really, there's not too much else to add. I guess you did bring up a good point about just now about his not walking much, and that shouldn't matter. But I, w- I was sitting there as you said that thought. Yeah, he's probably a guy that when it it could when it goes, it could go fast because the guys that don't walk much, as soon as they lose a little bit of the hilt, the bat speed and the abilities at the plate, it can slip real fast. And maybe that could happen to him, especially as a thirty-two-year-old big-bodied first baseman. To where that's a good point yeah. that I really hadn't thought about before. I'm still taking him where I, where I said, but I guess I that do is. Wonder- I do wonder a little bit with all of the upcoming talent that the White Sox have, if if his on-base percentage dips like any bit from where it is that he could possibly drop in the order. I wouldn't be that shocked by that. Uh, I don't. If, I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying it's imminent or anything like that. I mean, but you go from hitting three in the order to five or six. I mean, if any of these other guys just totally take off and he dips a little bit, I could see him dropping in the order a little. Yep. Again, Two's- it's again, it's it's nitpicky. I mean, sitting here criticizing a guy that's really consistent. I mean, he's I'm really not. I don't mean to sound that way. I just just something I thought of. So. Two if he has like 260 with a 310 on base. But Yeah. Thankfully for him, none of the other at the White Sox walk either, so he may be all right. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> that that was actually going to be my other point, but I just hadn't gotten there. So, all right. Well, Josh Bell, let's talk about him for a bit. Uh, he was one we were really wrong on last year. I think a line that was said on this podcast was something like, "Can we act? Quit acting like he's a thing," because we were just both of us were really out on him, and well. Last year, he became a thing. 277 with 37 home runs and 116 RBI. But it was a story of two halves. I, I thought I'd remember there were some splits during the year. And just doing some digging, I 
uh, with these notes, I did see that his first half and second half were significantly different. 302 batting average with 27 home runs in his first 87, 88 games. And in the second half, he hit 233 with 10 home runs in 55 games. You know, going back a year, this is the same thing we saw with um, Jose Ramirez. And it was an ugly first half for him. And this isn't apples to apples. They're different players. But does that second half with Bell concern you drafting going into this year? Uh, not not really. I, I mean, I, I think he's fairly, fairly ranked here. Pretty much, I like. There's uh, going down the list. I'm I'm not really seeing more than maybe one guy that I would have ahead of him. So, yeah, he's fine. I don't think in when it gets to here, you know, if it's once you get past Muncie and Abreu. I think I'm probably waiting to a guy a little further down. But, yeah, I expect Bell to go in this range, and he may be fine. I I guess I have enough questions that I just probably won't be on my team. But, um, I mean, he definitely way outproduced this last year. So He sure he did. Repeat, if he repeats, then obviously you're getting value. So. You know, the batting average on balls in play, I remember being significantly different. I'm trying to look at it right now. It's 315 in the first half and 241 in the second half. And whenever you look at the batted ball profile in that first half, second half, actually, his hard hit rate was down 10% in between that first and second half. But see, he was hitting more fly balls in the air and fewer ground balls on that same note. Line drives being down a little bit. I don't. Again, I think there's there's other guys around him. I just don't have those concerns with. So I think I'm taking those guys. But yeah, I I don't think that that I I'm not sitting there thinking that that second half is who he is. I think he's probably closer to the first half with what he showed last year. But I also don't want to be wrong. So I probably would take one of the other guys around him. Yeah, I'd probably be targeting like a closer and sp two three somewhere in there right around here instead uh i i remember hearing like about a year ago maybe it was probably about a year ago at this time how he was doing a swing change mm-hmm. yeah and I do like that. yeah and a lot of times when i hear that stuff i just kind of scoff at it like eh they always because they there's been a lot of times where i've heard that and it doesn't happen mm-hmm. or it doesn't or it doesn't give positive results, I should say. And I feel like his did. I mean, his launch angle went way up, started hitting the ball in the air more. That was the always always the criticism with this guy was he was always hitting the ball on the ground. Yep. So he kind of found himself with that and was hitting the ball harder and stuff. And I, I've kind of bagged on him in the past, and I'm definitely recognizing that. Again, it's, it's probably not a guy that I'll never uh, or I'll ever be – two in on but i think it's fine here like there's not these guys below him in this next tier i i wouldn't take him over him i don't think i agree you know in his major league career his ground ball rate just to go back up what you just said 50 percent in his rookie year in 2016 51 percent in 2017 it down to 48 percent in 2018 and he dropped that down to 44 percent which is much better 
this last year yeah. getting the ball. So he's definitely in the launch angle in terms of every year has gone up all the way up to 37% this last year. So good for him for making the adjustments. He definitely broke out this last year. All right, as I said, we're going to cut this off and make it two episodes out of this as Andrew and I definitely went at length on first base. And I think it's good this way because this will really, with previous episodes, I think we were trying last year to hurry to make sure we got through it at the very end. And we at least, I think we put a little more in depth on it, just feel a little better because we got two one-hour episodes or so for you guys as compared to one two-hour episode or one one-and-a-half-hour trying to cram it all in. So I hope you guys enjoyed that first half. We will be back in a couple days. I'll, I'll post episode number two just in a few days after now. And we'll talk, Andrew and I will cover the rest of the first baseman. We went all the way through the bottom of the ADP and we didn't do, I'm not saying we went over them one by one, but we definitely at least shot down the list and talked about the ones that interested us all the way down. So until then... Thank you guys for listening and take care, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. Baseball 365.